Today's episode is brought to you by Global Specialized Safety Incorporated. You can find them at globalssinc.com. That's globalssinc.com for all of your safety needs. Safe by choice, not by chance. Global Specialized Safety is veteran-owned and operated. Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And I'm going to double record it and we're going to get going here, Tony. All right. All right. I've got all kinds of questions for you. Looking forward to getting to know you and and uh, and the work that you do. The downside of Melon is that I've got to type in everything. Can you can you turn your volume up a little bit? How's that? Not much better. All much right. better. Are you tapping your microphone there? I'm getting a tap tap. I'm good. Okay. I'm just getting a tapping sound on your microphone. Don't know if you're tapping. That might have been me. I was moving the cord. Oh, that happens. Okay. Well, I don't have the Facebook page up now. Uh, Spell your last name. D-E-M. D-E-M-A-I-O. You've got a correct across the bottom there scrolling. Oh, yeah, there it is right there. I just have to type it in here. Okay, we're rolling, Tony. Great. All right, let's make this happen. So there's going to be a little intro, and then uh, then we're going to be moving and shaking. All right, we got it. And hopefully they can't, uh, the audience can't hear the, uh, <laughs> the lawnmowers outside. Oh, my goodness, of all the days. All right, here we go. And we are live from the high desert. How are you, Tony? I'm good. We've got some great weather going on here in Palm Springs. It's 84 degrees today. Oh, I'm jealous. We did uh, our workup training before we went over to Yugoslavia in 29 Palms and Canton Pendleton. So I know all about the desert tortoises, and uh, they're kind of like a holy creature down there. You've got to stay away from them, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful area. I'm jealous of you. But as a training area, uh, uh, <laughs> marching across the Mojave Desert, not such a great idea. It has its good times. This is a great time of year here now. Um, when it gets up around 115, it's a little exciting. Oh, that's toasty. A little too toasty for this Canadian. So uh, thanks for being on here today, Tony. I wanted to ask you about uh, the things that you're doing within the veteran community 
And let's start with Helping Heroes. Um, how'd that get started? I was founded Helping Heroes. I was consulting to um, a few veterans organizations. And as we started to drill down more and more on um, PTSD and what really there's no cure, but the way to mitigate some of the PTSD is there's a pattern. And the pattern starts off with isolation. Then it goes to um, depression, drugs and alcohol, and suicide. And that's the, the, the cycle. And so one of the ways to attack that cycle is in the first stage is to get people out of isolation and get them into groups and get them in sport groups. So we were doing cycling events and golf tournaments and just a variety of events to get veterans active and get them bonding. And we also started to work with other veteran nonprofits to find out ways to support them and help them. So that was really behind Helping Heroes USA. We also started uh, giving veterans CBD products. There's a lot of research on CBD without THC on how it can help veterans get off of uh, opioids. So that's another part of our mission that we were involved with. Are you helping with the data collection with that so that uh, to, to add to the body of evidence that CBD is effective? No, there's been some research out there, and we've more or less plugged into it. We have our own uh, our own data that we're accumulating, and we've we've really branched into Helping Heroes USA has become a a nonprofit that instead of supporting, let's say, research, we more partner with people that are doing research. So we use our funds more on the front end to reach out to the veterans as opposed to getting involved in uh, creating a lot of projects that will take funds. Are you familiar with Brothers in Arms CBD products? You know, there's a, there's a wide variety out there. Um, I am not familiar with them, but I know that uh, we get approached, I don't know, weekly sure. to handle other lines of products. And um, we've really, we've moved away from uh, that a little bit. What, the main focus is my parent company is called Big Media USA, and we're an internet broadcasting company. We've been around since 2005. We produced over 20,000 podcasts, and we also produce a digital magazine. And right now, our largest uh, project is working with the American Legion, and we're helping. There's 13,000 American Legion posts, and a post typically is a restaurant, a bar. Uh, banquet room, meeting rooms, and they're rooted in the communities. They've been in communities for 90 years. And we're helping them now uh, with getting into more of a digital mode to be able to attract younger veterans and their families. And so our focus has shifted to really working more with, like an uh, organization like American Legion has, I think it's 4.5 million members. And supporting them has become a big part of our mission. In Canada, the Royal Canadian Legion has been shrinking and struggling and trying to improvise, adapt, and overcome to to keep themselves relevant. Is that uh, the same with the American Legion? Well, you know, you have um, a post basically is run by volunteers. So you have a volunteer commander. Uh, in some cases, you have a commander that's got a good business background. In other cases, you don't. Um, and so going in and helping them from a management standpoint, helping them uh, raise funds, helping them take and move their message into the community and building st- strong relationships or levering, leveraging relationships they already have 
is something that we're really helping with. And so the digital product that we produce, we produce a series of podcasts and um, with the digital magazine, we also generate revenue for them through advertisers. And so that's, that's really been our focus. We're bringing up 50 legions at a time. So 50 posts at a time. And we bring them up in geographic areas that allows us to go to regional advertisers and uh, help support them. So the project is the project itself is a fundraiser, but it's also a marketing tool. And we're helping them uh, look at the younger population of veterans and how to how to reach them. So that's a big focus that we have. So more specifically, what's an example of the digital marketing that you're doing for the uh, legions that's helping people get in the door and uh, maintain interest or sign up to to show up at the American Legion? Well, in our magazines, they run about 45 pages. And in the magazine, we'll have some basic information about the American Legion and different, different things they have. Like almost every post has what's called the American Legion Riders, which is a group of motorcycle veterans. And they do rides. So we talk about that. We talk about their four pillars. We talk about boy state. So some of the different functions of the American Legion we're talking about. Then we're also working with, we, talk, we, we do an article on the post history. Most of the posts were, were named or founded after a veteran. And so there's a little bit of heritage there. Uh, it happens to be in Palm Springs. It's across the street from a golf course that has um, entertainers that would come in there, Bob Hope, Bean Crosby, Frank Sinatra. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of nice content there. So our, our goal is to produce content that the reader will look at that, but also to produce content that will talk about becoming a member and how to, um, what the different volunteer reasons are that people join. People join the organization not just to be served, but to serve. And uh, some of the interviews I've done have been, you know, why uh, veterans coming back and try, having a hard time acclimating back into society or back into their family and finding support and finding uh, fellowship at a post. So, Oh, sorry. I was, I, I was about to, uh, to ask a question, but uh, you were still yeah. on a roll there. Go ahead. Go for it. Um, so at the American Legion, the actual pub part of it, uh, where, where people go to commiserate and, and, and hang out, has that part of it changed? And if so, how? Well, I think um, part of it, now we're coming out of COVID. So for a lot of the posts, they were just basically shut down during COVID. And, um, but reaching into the community and letting them know what's available. I mean, some of them have great uh, banquet rooms and they get, you know, uh, bachelorette parties, they get bar mitzvahs, they get uh, the quinceaneras, they get a lot of different people will rent the hall. Their meeting area um you'll find networking groups that will take and meet there at the American Legion. They deliver, they deliver a, a good product at a, a very, very good price. Typically the building has been in town for a long time. It's got a lot of parking. So part of our process is to generate revenue by increasing the hall rental, the meeting room rentals, and then also drive um, more people into the restaurant bar area. Most of the legions, have some sort of a Friday, Saturday night program where they have a local entertainer come in 
and for a very low price, you'll get a dinner and a show, and and um, typically they'll fill up. So it's a big revenue generator for them. But then they're also involved in the community, helping and reaching out. They have uh, workshops to help veterans get their services. Matter of fact, I just attended a, last month a workshop that was for veterans that wanted to get scholarship funding for their um, kids to go to college. And there's a whole program for that. So there's a lot of um, services that are delivered through the American Legion where they help, they help veterans find their way through the maze. I saw on your uh, website for the Helping Heroes USA an award that was given to Don Green. I know who Don Green is. Uh, you do, to, huh? Uh, I do. Well, well, that's how I met Luann, uh, your, your president there. Um, uh, Luanna, Luann and I met th- uh, Three Feet from Gold, or um, Three Feet to Gold, Three Feet from Gold? Yeah, Three Feet from Gold uh, in La Jolla. Greg Reed put that on. Of course, Greg, Greg Reed is a big part of uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation, his relationship with Don Green. So um, being that Helping Heroes is veteran-based, what was the tie-in there for Don, Don Green to receive an award? What, um, so our work with the Napoleon Hill Foundation is on many, many fronts. And um, you're right, my partner and the, the president of um, Big Media USA, Luann, um, has been involved with the Napoleon Hill Foundation for quite a while. And I think there was a Napoleon Hill women's uh, book. There's some, some book that she's a part of that's tied to the foundation. But what our, our, um, our reason for working with the foundation in reference to veterans is we were looking for um, programs to help veterans come out and be business, be more entrepreneurial. Uh, and so to give them some education and give them some resources to help them, uh, you'll find that a lot of veterans that come back rather than try to take a job would rather become entrepreneurial. That's absolutely true. There's, um, and it's because of the difficulty with transition. Um, what a lot of guys end up doing, or uh, I shouldn't say guys, of course, but uh, what a lot of veterans do when they get out is they end up, as you were saying, in isolation uh, because they keep, I call it blowing up the room, where they, they keep being the one that spoils the soup or um, disturbs the peace of others because of their, and they're unaware of what they're doing, how they're doing it, you know, what it is about them. All they know is that they don't fit. They're a sore thumb, uh, and they feel like a black sheep. So they end up doing things like truck, long-haul truck driving. There are so many veterans on the highway in a truck just so they can get the heck away from people. And um, earlier on in the beginning of the conversation, Tony, you were exactly right that the step one is to create that sense of connection and community because PTSD creates a sense of isolation. It creates disconnection both from yourself, who you, who you are and who you perceive yourself, um, who you used to be, that person that you used to be. People talk about the death of that person and um, reconnecting with yourself and the new self that you are and, and connecting with society and family in a way that you don't feel like the odd duck. You don't feel like the black sheep. And the only way I know to do that is through veterans organizations, through peer support groups and, uh, and by getting the body moving with the things that you're doing. So I think you're right on track for um, uh, doing it the right way, Tony. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's also some healing that takes place um, with the veterans 
when they have an opportunity to give a, let's just call it a testimony, and it's healing for them, but it's also healing for the group to hear that because a lot of people can relate to it. And so I think that um, when we create opportunities for veterans to share their stories, they um, there's sort of a double-edged sword there, which is a bonus. It, it really helps people hearing that because they can relate to it. And they don't feel like, gee, I'm the only one feeling that way, or I'm the only one that's having that problem. And uh, so the events that we've had, we've been involved in a lot of events, is um, there's just a lot of healing that goes on. Uh, some of the cycling events that we did, we cycle like from, uh, this is bicycles, and we cycle from San Antonio, Texas to Houston, or Jacksonville, Florida to Atlanta. And so those are five, seven-day rides on the road. And every night we'd have, we have about 150 veterans that we travel with and we'd have a couple of veterans share. And during that time, it was amazing what would take place. And it was a very uh, somber motive, mo- uh, mood to the whole group. When we did the golf tournaments, we also did a lot of golf um, clinics. So we'd have a pro come out and we take them to the putting, we take them to driving range, we take them to the putting green, and then they can go out and golf a little bit. But it was also made for guys that weren't golfers so that we could just get them out and interacting. And um, that's, that's been part of our mission. I think, the, you, you know, that Don Green and Napoleon Hill Foundation and some other organizations out there that can help with the entrepreneurship of the veterans, and to help them in business. And that's one of the missions that we have uh, is to help help and support them and give them tools. And I think a lot of what we're doing with the different posts is to give the American Legion's posts is to give them some tools. I mean, some of them run great, um, but others are struggling. And it really depends who the commander is. Well, it's brilliant, Tony, because you can't have a government organization teach entrepreneurism or provide mentorship for entrepreneurism. They're two exact opposite things. Um, uh, the public and the private sector, they just they don't speak the same damn language. So to um, uh, to help and to be a bridge to entre- uh, of entrepreneurism for veterans is Perfect, because then they can do it their way, with their own flavor, and surround themselves with people that um, that they're comfortable with and that they connect with and feel feel good uh, to be around. And that clash doesn't happen. In the corporate environment, uh, people say, oh, we want to hire veterans, we want to hire veterans, until they hire one that has a couple of combat tours. <laughs> and they realize, like, oh, we're, no, we speak, we're very different people. Well, you know, I also found that it's good to have a mix mm-hmm. of veteran and non-veteran because um, it, it helps them with the interaction that uh, we had one organization that was all veterans and business and they really started to have some problems and became very aggressive and, and competitive. And so it seems like you tempered a little bit by having some non-veterans in the organization, the right man, but in anything, you know, the right management mix is really important. And, um, you know, the, the process of, of fitting back in and not isolating is, is very key. And there's a lot of different ways to get them involved, whether it's, you know, whether it's golfing or cycling or motorcycle riding or, or serving. Um, you know, a, a lot of the posts have just so many volunteers. They just want to serve. They just want to help. And it gives them a sense of belonging. 
and a sense of accomplishment. So I think that's really important. I'm on such a soapbox about volunteering because when you leave the military, you leave such a huge sense of purpose, you know, um, kind of the, the Rambo rant. I was in charge of million dollar equipment and now I can't even get a job parking cars. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and, and there's a lot of truth in that. It was such a good writer for that movie. But um, when, when you walk away from the big green machine, and it's just such a sense like, oh, I'm a part of something really big here. The only way to sort of balance that out, because going cold turkey <laughs> without that sense of purpose is you just can't do it. It's too depression um, bound. So uh, volunteering at whatever, some kind of veterans event, there's no shortage of uh, organizations out there, both big and small. Pick the one that's right for you and show up and volunteer. Well, that's, you know, that's part of the process um, that we talk about when we do some podcasts around that is, you you know, it's not one size fits all. I mean, you, you may go to a certain organization and you just don't fit. doesn't mean you just stop looking. Yeah. You know, you, you may go to another one and that happens to ring the bell and you find that, wow, these people are great to hang out with and I like this. So it's, it's a constant, you know, process for some people. Some people find one and it's like, yeah, I fit right in. But a lot of times the closest one in your zip code doesn't necessarily mean it's the right one for you. So we encourage people to shop around and look for the right post or look for the right organization. Right now we're working with the, uh, the Desmond Doss Foundation. Um, you know, he's Hacksaw Ridge. That's what Hacksaw Ridge was right. about, Desmond Doss. We're working with that organization, and their um, organization is really focused on taking the principles, the integrity and things and putting them into uh, uh, teenagers and working in um, high school age kids to give them some guidance and acclimate them to what the military is all about and what what the values are that come out of being involved in the military. And so I think that's another whole other walk that we're going down and it's pretty exciting. We're just starting with them. It's been about a month. Do you ever run into issues when you're trying to serve the veteran community? Uh, have you been running into issues with stolen valor? Because, my God, I, I keep running into it again and again and again. It's just ridiculous. I only run into it once. So um, from that standpoint, it hasn't been a problem, but I know it's out there. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, now, have you served yourself, Tony? I have not. Actually, I'm a member of the American Legion Through the Sons, and um, my dad was uh, in the Navy, and that's how I joined. You know, and that's a good topic. I have to bring that up. I was really, when we first started, and this goes back years ago, I was a little apprehensive about being involved in veterans organization and not being a veteran. Right. And that was one of the things I think that almost held me back. But what I found was the veterans don't care. If you're helping veterans, if you're helping out their organization, they don't care if you served or not. You know, I was afraid that there was some sort of secret handshake, and if I didn't know it, I wouldn't be, you know, able to work with them. No, that's the Masons, and there really is a secret handshake, because I was one for about six years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. You know, so it was like, this is a message to everybody that's not a veteran that would like to help out. There's ways, and they really they really embraced it. When I first, the, the first I just remember the first um encounter I had, we were riding, um, we were on a cycling event and we were doing about a 70 mile bike ride. And I was just pulling up next to guys and talking to them and listening. And that was the biggest thing. It would just be riding along and listen. 
and then they'd ask you, you know, did you serve? I go, no, I didn't, but I really, you know, I want to help out the cause. And they're like, yeah, it's great. It was never, I never got pushback. And um, I was really, it was a conservative mind. So I'm proud to say, if this sounds weird, but, but I'm not a veteran, but I'm proud to serve the veterans organizations. And, uh, and thank you so much for doing that. And it's, um, it's so interesting to me in the position in the veteran community where I am. I'm sort of a center point. So I find resources like yourself, and, uh, and we talk and get to know each other. And how many people like yourself who haven't served but have a respect for the serving and, and, and the veteran community and are doing what they can, even though there's always going to be a little bit of a gap there because you'll never be able to fully grasp um, the experience of a service member, especially if, if they've been deployed. But that's okay. And you're okay. <laughs> you know, some things are just experiential. It's like skydiving. You can't explain it. You ha- if, you haven't yeah, right. do- if you haven't done it, you can't get it. Well, you know, my background, uh, I, I used to be a football coach. Okay. And there's a, you know, sort of warrior mentality. There's a, um, a lot of football players, a lot of coaches have the same problem acclimating back into society after you get out of that environment. Sure. That makes sense. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a warrior kind of mentality. It's very, you grow up and as a coach, it's a, um, uh, you have a close group of guys that you work with. And, um, I know when I first got into business, the evaluation from the company that I was with was he tries to run this like a football program and, you know, like you, know, you want everybody to be on Lombardi time. That's 15 minutes earlier and, you know, things like that. And so there's a lot of carryover um, from there's certainly not the, the threat and, you know, the carnage that you see that you do in war. But what I'm saying is that there's a sort of process to reacclimate back into society. If you've lived in this football world, um, which is kind of a closed world and there's things that are acceptable sure. there that may not be acceptable in mainstream society. Yeah. You kind of go through that same transition, you know, and I can really empathize with guys going through that um, saying, you know, I ran a battalion, I ran 2000 people and I come back and I'm working with this company and they've got four people and I'm banging heads with everybody. And, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's just different. It's just people are different. It's sort of like the difference between when you're a teacher and, and you're, you're coaching you have PE, you know, and, and, and physical ed are guys that are there because they have to be there. But then you have people that play sports and they're there because they want to be there. So it's a whole different mentality, a whole different intensity. And so a lot of times at a company, you have people that are, have a job because they have to have a job. They don't necessarily want to be there. That's not their desire. So they have a different mentality. They're working on like almost like what kind of, you know, it's old stories like every employer will pay just enough to keep the employee and every employee will just work hard enough to keep their job. Yeah. So there's that, there's that going on and that's hard for somebody that's come out of the military and they're a gun hoeing hundred percent. And, and, um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, you know, yeah. it's like getting on the freeway at 65 and traffic's going 10, you know, there's bound to be a collision. So we try to, we try to tamper that, but our expertise are more in, um, and, and build, you know, building business, helping out in that area, I think that's our long suit. But I think we've also done things for, um, you know, I've been a lot of, around a lot of guys that have had all of a sudden had a uh, PTSD attack. And, uh, and what, do you, do you, what, what do you mean by PTSD attack? Just um, 
And I remember one, we were on a, a ride in, in, in Texas and uh, that night we had a, we had a big banquet. And then all of a sudden one of the guys just was yelling and uh, he was screaming. He, he almost blacked out. We got him out of the room, got him settled down. He was shaking. He was um, uh, just reliving something triggered it. Yeah. And um, he was having, he was having a waking flashback. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember getting right. We were standing in the tunnel to win a football game and I was with the linebacker core and the guy in front of me had just come back from Vietnam. And all of a sudden we didn't know this, but they had a fireworks display and he turned around and ran over like five of us and got into the locker room and got under a bench and it took about 10 minutes to talk him back out, to go back out on the field. So there's just things like that that happen and you have to figure out how to deal with that the best way you can for that person at that time. So we've spent some time, you know, there, but I really think for us, it's helping them in a fundraising capacity, business management capacity. Um, that's been our long suit. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing. And uh, what's next for Helping Heroes USA? Do you have any projects on the go? You know, we're, we're um, I'll tell you, we're retooling Helping Heroes USA right now because um, for, for a big part of what happened with um, uh, Covert, a lot of the events and things we had scheduled were just shut down. Yeah. And uh, during that time, I, I really was doing some soul searching to find a way to kind of restructure and move Helping Heroes USA in a direction that would be beneficial. And I think I, I've, I've landed on more of supporting uh, veterans in an entrepreneurial uh, format and helping them that way than some of the things that we were doing before. And I, I just think that's a shift for us. It's a shift for me. Um, there's some very interesting things that are happening. Uh, certain cities are having a hard time. You know, San Diego, which is one of the largest veteran populations, they're losing veterans. They're moving out to take their businesses and start businesses in other areas out of, out of state of California. Well, that's California in general. There is quite the exodus from uh, California right now, especially the major centers. Right. So a lot of the veterans organizations are looking at how they can they help and how can they support veterans that are doing business in California. So that's just one little project that we're getting involved with. And I think that's more of our calling now that I, I look at it. There's organizations out there that do a great job. And they're really in the in the woods with working with veterans and I think supporting them. And one organization we support, they'll find the guys that are so far in the woods that they'll come out and they'll have people drive them to meetings. Right. You know, and, and bring them out. And that's that's their expertise. That's not our expertise. So I think what we have to do is to find what we're really strong at and how we can support other groups, other veterans groups and what they're doing. And that's so through this process of over the years, I think that's how my focus has shifted. Well, Tony, I think you're exactly on point. Um, like back to what we've already said, that recreating that sense of community and connection is absolutely key. Uh, as an example of that, when I used to run a peer support group, people would drive, it was once every two weeks, and people would drive two to three hours just to be part of that peer support group. That's how much value it had to them it, when done right. And of course, uh, uh, there's the other side of it too. I've seen peer support groups that uh, did more harm than good because of how they were run and who was running them. 
So it's uh, really important to know how to do it right. And uh, is there, uh, with, the, with the volunteers and that, is there sort of um, a workup training for, uh, especially for this, not just for civilians, but for other veterans of, okay, this, when this happens, this is how we deal with it. Is there like a mental health first aid uh, sort of course um, that you're involved with? You know, we, um, <laughs> it's funny, out of uh, Canada, we have a, a woman that was an Olympic uh, bobsled, um, and, and she suffered TBI, you know, uh, traumatic brain injury, from going down the chute. The and she has gotten involved quite a bit, and we've been involved with her a little bit, and some of the organizations that are working, PTSD and TBI kind of go together hand in hand. And so we've been involved with her, and they're taking. she's taking the lead. She's written a book. Um, and, and so we're just, again, I think we're more in a support mode right now. Uh, there's organizations out there that are doing some great, great research. There's some, there's some universities that are developing a technology that's like a wristwatch. And what it does is it senses, um, when somebody's having an attack and the frequency of the attack, the duration of the attack. And we, um, had put them on some of our cyclists so that they could tell the difference between elevated heart rate and exercise and elevated heart rate and an attack, things like that. Sure. There's a lot of technology going on, a lot of money that's being spent in that space. I think that we're getting better with it. Um, and I think that there's more services just before this call, I was on with a psychologist um, and he's a veteran and he's working with veterans and we're going to be doing some things with him locally here in the Palm Springs area. Uh, just to, to working and helping veterans. And there's, it seems like there's more people coming out of the woodwork, or maybe I'm just more aware of it now, that have uh, a background on how to help people deal with this, this uh, the PTSD and some of the problems surrounding it. I think it's a little bit of both. As the stigma becomes less and less, which it has, it's, it's, we've been winning that, that fight. And there's been less and less stigma over the last five years in particular, um, five to ten years. So we are making improvements and the more that stigma is removed uh, the more it empowers people to step forward and participate in or create veterans organizations like yourselves or like my show you know there's some synergism between sports um, organizations and the military from looking at uh, especially in football you know brain trauma and how that impacts and how the TBI there is the same as the PTSD and how that all comes together and how there's a lot of athletes that are walking around with PTSD. And um, there's some foundations that have been funding that research for maybe eight or nine years. And a lot of the material is just starting to come out now. Uh, So we, it was unfortunate. We were um, set up to interview uh, Junior Sehow from uh, San Diego just couple of days before he had committed suicide and um you know there's been a lot around that but a lot of trying to understand the the trauma that he went through and and what you know as an nfl linebacker how that impacted and finally took his life so there are some parallels going on and there um, are there's, there's a lot of funding that's that's being pushed this way where before it maybe wasn't a popular topic well, thank you for the work that you do, Tony. It matters, and I think you're doing a great job. Now, if somebody wants to find your podcast, where can they go? Um, our 
our website is it's bigmediausa.com. Isn't it dot org? Nope. Okay. Big Media USA is the is the corporation that basically funds helpingheroesusa.org. Oh yes, okay. So the but all the podcasts sit on a platform. It's about like I said, we produce over twenty thousand podcasts. I think we always have about twenty five hundred podcasts of a variety of topics on Big Media USA and then also our digital magazines. And so it's bigmediausa.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you do, and thank you for being on the show today. Well, thanks for reaching out and um, looking at what you do in your space and getting the message out and giving people a platform. It's really important to give a lot of people just a a way, an outlet to get their message out and how they're supporting the different organizations and for people to be able to plug in and say, I didn't know there was an organization out there that did that, and now I can plug into it. So I think that's a great service that you're providing that way. Well, thanks so much, Tony. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Global Specialized Safety Incorporated. You can find them at globalssinc.com. That's globalssinc.com for all of your safety needs. Safe by choice, not by chance. Global Specialized Safety is veteran-owned and operated. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.